Our first scripture reading is found in the book of Isaiah chapter 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear, to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been displaced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? This is the word of the Lord. Our next reading is from the book of Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Our reading is found in the book of John, chapter 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When were you at your highest level of glory? When was your highest personal glory that you've ever experienced? I think back on my own life, some different things that have happened at, at graduations, receiving some honors, or maybe it was a sporting event and my team did really well, or maybe it was a, an endurance race that I was able to finish. I've played in front of some large crowds of people, I'm getting to preach in front of you today. When was your greatest moment of glory? We've all had some point in our lives, a moment that maybe stands out among others, 
when maybe you were in the spotlight. Today in our theme of needing Jesus, our, our theme specifically is needing glory. And we're going to be taking a look at what glory is and, and what it's about. The dictionary defines glory in this way. It's high renown or honor won by a notable achievement. Glory is a, a chance to be seen. It's a chance to be recognized and known. The need within someone to be glorified is the person that has all of the attention on them, the one to be venerated and exalted, to be the one whom others look to for inspiration and achievement. Now, in order to achieve this, people will go to extreme lengths to try to achieve glory. They will do it with abandon. They will look, not look out at, their, at the needs of others or even themselves. They will, they will go at it with all that they have. Sometimes, even if it comes the glory after they're dead. This is the stuff of the valiant warrior who unexplainably fights a battle that it seems like there's no way that they could ever win. They give themselves for a cause, even if it seems to be all lost. And this is true of the internet influencer who will go to extreme measures, taking desperate means, seeking glory, maybe even falling off of a cliff, trying to get that perfect selfie, or saying the most extreme and radical things, trying to gain attention. And while some may say that they don't have a need for glory, that they're not seeking any glory or the limelight, let's look at what the opposite is and consider the alternative. The opposite of glory is shame and humiliation. That's why so many of our stories of people that are seeking glory for themselves become cautionary tales that lead to shame and a person's demise. Seeking glory leads to shame when it is unrealized. Think of stories like Don Quixote in the Man of La Mancha. His quest for recognition and power and greatness led to him being known as the face of mockery. Sometimes it's not all that grandiose, though. I mean, maybe you've had some experiences where you, you thought it was one way and it turned out not to be what you were hoping to get out of it. One of the first times that I got a chance to preach in the sanctuary, I uh, was all robed up and I had to make sure that my mic was on. So I checked my mic in my back pocket. I went out and I preached the sermon and I thought I did a pretty good job of preaching the sermon. And it turns out that I had caught my robe in the back of my back pocket and I preached the whole sermon with my backside exposed. I was wearing pants though, I was. But it didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to. The need for glory though isn't always about ourselves. Sometimes the need for glory is about being connected to someone else who has greatness. The need for glory can be the need to exalt somebody else, to venerate someone else, and to know that we are connected to somebody that's important, somebody that's bigger than ourselves, and somebody who, through our connection, we have some sort of benefit. It might be prestige and honor. It might be wealth 
or fame or status. It's the glory that we give to someone else knowing that there's an advantage for me and that I'm on the right side. It gives me a connection and it seems that it gives me meaning and purpose in what might be a random world because I'm on the side of glory. So it's good for us to pause and ask, in whom do we look for glory? Who do you try to hitch your wagon to? Some easy examples are name dropping. You know, you, uh, I spend some time with this person, you know, just kind of throwing out names like, I'm important because I know them. Trying to connect yourself to someone of greatness. I mean, it happens with sports teams all the time. You know, we like to wear our jerseys of our teams, especially when they're doing well. You notice when your team wins a championship, all of a sudden everybody is a fan of that team trying to hitch on to that greatness. Now, I'm not saying all this is bad. I'm not saying that you're sinning when you're doing those things. But the question is, where are you seeking glory? Today on this Palm Sunday, on this Palm Sunday weekend, we want to say it's in Jesus. Jesus, you're the man. You're the one that's in control. You are the one that we want to follow. You are the one that we give glory to. You, Jesus, you be the guy that's in control. You're the one in power. We want this for you and, and we need this from you. We need to know that there's someone who's in control. Listen to part of the reading from today. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now this is glorification. This is people doing what they need to do, looking for somebody to lift up. And so they go to give Jesus the glory. And this wasn't the first time in Jesus' life that he'd experienced fanfare, that there had been a lot of attention around him. I mean, just think about his life. When he was born, there was an army of angels that came and shepherds and, and later on wise men came. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, at his baptism, the, the Father spoke from heaven and the Spirit descended as a dove. Crowds had gathered to hear Jesus preach before. They wanted to go see him, maybe perform some miracles. He was welcomed on the Mount of Transfiguration by Moses and Elijah. I mean, Jesus had caught some attention before. Our scripture reading is from the book of John, and John starts out in his first chapter saying that we've seen the glory the glory of Jesus, the glory of the one and only. So here we are, Palm Sunday, this large crowd of, of travelers have come and they're assembled for the Passover in Jerusalem. The Passover was a time when the, the nation of Israel remembered that they had been in slavery and that God had delivered them through Moses and through the Passover and that that the angel of death came and, and everyone that did not have the blood of the lamb over their doorpost, their firstborn was lost. Israel was able to escape out of Egypt. And so they came together every year in Israel to celebrate that great deliverance. And yet 
the celebration is done by a people in a city that are under Roman occupation. They're not quite free like they would like to be. So it shouldn't surprise us that they go to glorify Jesus. I mean, after all, Jesus had been doing some pretty amazing things. Jesus had been healing people. He had been taking on the religious leaders and he had been battling them and overcoming them with his religious wisdom. Jesus had healed a blind man. He had just healed Lazarus, a dead man. And the word had been getting out. So Jesus come, when Jesus comes to town, people go out to see it. All of these people are in the perfect spot looking for somebody to glorify. And so they use palm branches, a nationalistic cry, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna, save us. So they use the, the flag, if you will, of Israel, which is the palm branch. They go out to meet the king. If anyone is worthy of glory, it's Jesus. And then on the other side, if there's anybody that's jealous of everything that's happening, it's the Pharisees. We have this, this contrast between these two groups of people. And the Pharisees are this, this gathered group of self-important, glory-seeking men. The Pharisees say to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. They're talking amongst themselves and they're arguing. And these guys that are seeking glory all of a sudden turn on each other and they start fighting in, in, inside amongst themselves. They will do anything to get and maintain glory. As usual, the Pharisees are in contrast to what we see in Jesus. They become cautionary tales. And as we think about the Pharisees, we have to maybe ask a question of ourselves. In when do we seek our own glory? When do we try to grab the attention in the spotlight? In our Facebook or Instagram posts, how many views we get, likes and comments, in our bumper stickers, and how many can we put on our car, and how are we seeking glory? And what is our real motivation in seeking that attention? Are we doing it for ourselves? Are we doing it for others? Or are we doing it for God? And even if we are doing it for God, is he giving his approval? Or are we stamping it with our own approval and saying that it's coming from God? John says a little bit later on that some of the Pharisees actually believed in Jesus, but they didn't want to tell anybody because they sought the glory of men instead of the glory of God. We need something other than the Pharisees as our example. And so we go back to Jesus. And John says that Jesus is going to be glorified. In verse 16, it says, His disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him. You see, Jesus isn't glorified yet. This is not his glorification. This is not his moment. It will come. In the moment we see something different from Jesus. He's not seeking glory. It's actually quite the opposite. We find him, as Becca said, he's, he's riding into town, not on a white stallion, but he comes into town on a donkey, on a donkey's colt. 
That's the context that, that Jesus comes in. And, and it's a quote from Zechariah chapter 9 that John gives us. Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy that he would be coming into town humble and lowly, not as a glory seeker, which makes him all the more worthy of our glory. There's a foreshadowing in this account in John. He's telling us to pay attention because Jesus is worthy of glory. As we start out this holy week, Jesus is worthy of glory. He's going to be glorified, but it's not here. He'll be glorified. He is going to be the object of praise. And the world will be drawn to him, but not here. People come out to see him. People still come out to see him. You are here tonight on a cold and dreary Saturday night. We're still drawn to Jesus. And why? Why do people go to Jesus? Jesus has something that we don't. There's something about Jesus that we need. The Pharisees didn't see it. They didn't think they needed anything from Jesus. Why would they need anything from Jesus? But you're here today. There's something that you came for. We need Jesus. And do we realize what he really offers to us? It's not the glory that we think we need. It's not the fame and the fortune and the riches and the health and wealth of this world. Jesus' glory is about something else. Jesus will be glorified, but it will be in his way. It will happen at the end of the week, on Good Friday, when he'll be lifted up. But his glory, his glory looks a little different than that of the world. Jesus is left alone on the cross, even deserted by the heavenly Father. His glory is found on the cross. It's there that we need to find our glory in what he's done for us, where he's taken our sin, our shame, and our brokenness, our death, all of our failures, and he defeated it all. So do we need glory? A glory that reminds us that, that we're not in control, but we're safe. A glory that shows us what's true and what's right, that connects us with something larger and teaches us that we matter. Do we need glory? Absolutely. We need the glory that Jesus gives us. We need his glory that is given to us. The glory that was sacrificed, that sacrificed everything so that we could have new life, real life, life eternal with him. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, our King Jesus. Hosanna. Amen.